Wishing Day by Lauren Miracle Chapter 29 She went to the tree with the rope swing, but she didn't sit on the swing. Instead, she stood on one of the tree's big roots and looked back at Papa's workshop. Then she looked at the house, cheerful and reassuring in the setting sun. The lights were on in her sister's rooms. Daria's blinds were shut while Ava's curtains, gauze, gauzy and purple, were wide open. Natasha spotted Ava's feet at the end of her bed, one on top of the other in purple socks with yellow polka dots. Her top foot waggled back and forth. She was probably reading a book, probably about magic. Natasha shrugged off her backpack and set it by the trunk of the tree. Now she took a seat on the wooden swing. She dug the toes of her sneakers into the ground to keep from swaying. She ran the pad of her index finger over the creamy envelope. She flipped it over, dug her thumb beneath the flap, and pulled out the letter. It was several pages long. The sheets were folded in half and creased in the middle. And when Natasha shook them open, she caught a whiff of roses. Again, a flash of memory, a glass bottle tied with a dove gray ribbon and mama saying, you put it here where your skin is warm as she dabbed a drop of perfume on the inside of Natasha's wrist. With a thudding heart, she read her mother's letter. Dear Natasha, if you're reading this, that means I wasn't able to fix things, or myself. I am more sorry than you will ever know. Oh, sweetheart, I've started this letter a thousand times and ripped it up just as many. I can't say what I need to say. I'll never be able to say what I need to say. I have to try, though, don't I? So I'm not going to rip this one up. This is the one, because tonight will be my last night here. Take care of your sisters and your father. No, that's not fair. You're only five, after all. You're already so accomplished, though. So smart and funny and creative and so sure of what you want. Today you asked me to braid your hair and you got very stern with me about the bumps. No bumps, Mama, you cried. My reputation is at stake. Papa and I laughed at that and you got even sterner. Molly has, has bumps and everyone in the class calls her Bumpy Molly, you informed me. Oh dear. I murmured, thinking about how callous children can be, even in kindergarten. You saw my expression and your eyes widen, and you flung your arms around me and said, They don't, Mama. I made that up. Nobody calls her Bumpy Molly, and I just said that, and I don't know why. She has the unbumpiest hair of anyone. She really, really does. So change your face back, Mama, please. But, Natasha, I share that as an example of what an imagination you have. Not to suggest you're callous. 
you're not callous. You couldn't be if you tried. Last week, you tried to pet the mean old tomcat that lives down the road. Do you remember? And he clawed you, and I was so upset. But you patted my hand and said, Mama, shh, poor darling Mama. He was just having a rough day, that's all. Then you spun off into a story about all the mice you would feed him to cheer him up but only mice that were already dead and that died of natural causes, as you put it. Do you still make up stories? Do you still know Bumpy Molly, who isn't bumpy at all? Except you're not five anymore. Maybe you wear your hair short now. Maybe you have a new best friend. Although selfishly, I hope you don't. Molly's a good friend. And good friends are worth holding on to. This is awful, Natasha. I miss you already. Please, just, I don't know, stay kind, stay funny. But do be careful what you say. The world is slippery. It's easy to make mistakes. And some mistakes can't be undone. And yes, that's why I'm writing this, to say goodbye to say I love you, and to warn you about your wishing day, which is tomorrow. If you're reading this letter, it must be, because I'm going to leave Papa specific instructions on when to give it to you. I'll be quite firm, just like you were about how you wanted your hair, you silly goose. Thirteen years old, impossible. I'll say it then, be careful what you wish for. Because the old saying is true, Natasha. Do you understand? I wished for something terrible, and my wish came true. I unwished it many times over, but unwishing doesn't count. Although I wonder, if you wished for my wish to reverse itself, would it work? Would Emily and I be best friends again? Don't, darling. Never mind. Wish for chocolate cupcakes or a new dress or a patch of sunlight for that mean old tomcat. Or don't wish for anything at all. I'm still going to try, you know, to fix the wish I wished to be back before you know I'm gone. But the wings are beating, sweet girl. I hear them in my head and I fear I'm losing my mind. My heart, however, is yours forever. Love always, Mama. The sun dipped farther below the horizon. Natasha's spine hurt from sitting so rigidly on the wooden swing. She dropped the letter to her lap and pushed at the ground, flexing her feet and pointing them to make the swing move. She wore her hair in braids when she was little, She called Molly Bumpy Molly and Mama Poor Darling Mama. That sounded more like Ava than Natasha. She didn't remember a grouchy tomcat either, or Emily, whose name Mama had scratched out. Emily, Emily, the bird lady had said, it's always about Emily, isn't it? Everyone wanted to scratch Emily out, it seemed. Had Emily once been real? Had Emily been Mama's best friend? 
Had Papa and Aunt Vera scratched those memories out? Or was Mama crazy? I fear I'm losing my mind, Mama wrote those words herself. But wait, Natasha told herself. Go back a step and think, Natasha. Think what this means. Mama is alive. A shadow caught her attention. It was Papa standing in the window of his workshop, his hands propped against the window frame. He wasn't looking at Natasha. He wasn't looking at anything, as far as Natasha could tell. But when he heard that he was right and that Mama was alive, she hopped out of the swing and ran across the lawn, tingling with knowledge of how happy he'd be. Then she stopped. Mama was alive, yes, but she wasn't here. She was alive, and yet she wasn't with them, and she wasn't with them on purpose. All this time, Mama could have been with them. She could have saved Papa from his grief. She could have saved all of them from their grief. Why did she decide to reach out now? And why, why, why did she reach out to Natasha instead of Aunt Vera or Aunt Elena? Who were her very own sisters, after all? Why didn't she reach out to Papa? her very own husband. Natasha swallowed and gazed at the house Mama had walked away from nearly eight long years ago. Inside the kitchen, she saw Daria setting the table, and she saw Ava following behind, straightening the knives and forks and arranging the napkins more neatly. Aunt Vera stood at the stove, stirring soup or maybe spaghetti sauce. And Aunt Elena opened the oven and slipped in a foil-covered loaf of bread. Natasha knew what would happen next. Aunt Elena would set the timer for 25 minutes, and Aunt Vera would say, 22 minutes would be better. You can always leave the bread in longer, but if you leave it in too long, there's no going back. Their routine was as predictable as clockwork, and this... The cheerful dance of meal preparation and easy chatter was what defined Natasha's childhood. Maybe their family was broken, but in the cozy light of the kitchen, Natasha didn't see it. In the light of the kitchen, her family seemed pretty whole. Mama was alive. Because Natasha wished it? A rough beast slouched toward Bethlehem, indignant birds throwing shadows on its thick thighs. But no, because Mama wasn't scary. Mama wasn't a beast. But maybe in a way, Mama was getting ready to be reborn, only not in a scary way, because Mama was the one who was scared. That's what she said in the last note, the note that had made Natasha feels so special. Maybe Natasha had called her back. Maybe all of this was happening in some mysterious way because of Natasha's wishes. Feathers brushed Natasha's cheek and she spun around. A nighthawk cawed and circled above her. 
it plummeted down and Natasha ducked, covering her head with her arms. Stop it, she cried. The tree behind her shivered and a flock of blackbirds took flight. Natasha was lost in a tumble of bodies and small thrumming hearts. Beaks stabbed at her shoulders and her back and the bare flesh of her legs. Wings flapped noisily. They were shooing her toward the path that led to the old willow. All right, all right, she cried. Her calves burned as the trail grew steep. When she tripped, warm things kept her from falling. When she slowed down, the sting of beaks increased. Panting, she crested Willow Hill. The birds swooped away in a tremendous flurry of wings. The old willow tree waited. Its slender curved branches were no longer covered with buds, but dressed in proud green leaves. She approached. Its leafy branches rustled. Come in, come in, they whispered. She pushed through the swaying curtain. Each leaf caressed her. When she was fully within the willow's sweeping canopy, something loosened inside her. My mother is alive, she told the bird lady, who sat between the tree's great roots. Is she now, the bird lady said. She is, and you knew it. Hmm, the bird lady said. Her frail body rested against the willow's trunk, and her pajama bottoms were bunched over her outstretched legs. Her bunny slippers peeked from the hem. The bunny ears were white and fluffy. She patted a spot beside her. Come sit. Natasha picked her way over and sat. The bird lady searched the folds of her skirt and produced a rumpled white bag with Dino's candy printed across the front. Would you like a gummy worm? No, thank you. I really think you should have a gummy worm. I don't want a gummy worm. The bird lady examined her with her shiny, intelligent eyes. Do you always get what you want? It felt like a trick question. The bird lady opened the bag and held it out. She jiggled it. The night could hardly get stranger, Natasha decided, so she reached into the bag and pulled out a juicy red gummy worm. Good, said the bird lady, and now I will tell you a story.